everybody, and welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Biff. <laughs> I wish. Uh, no, sadly, Biff is a uh, is in a different time zone, and he can't be with us to record this sideshow all about um, retro video gaming with the proprietor of what's become one of my favorite new shops or favorite shops to go to, uh, Replayed. And with that said, uh, welcome to Brian, the owner. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. How's it going? So let's just jump right into it. Let, 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 let's just get the elephant taken care of in the room right now. Brian, what is the most iconic piece of video game music? <laughs> Probably just super. We lost Brian. Can you guys hear me? Yep. yep yeah, you just you, you cut out there. Just, so, just, uh, just as you went to answer the biggest question <laughs> ever and cut out. So what do you think is the most iconic piece of music? Uh, like I was saying, it's I would say it's Super Mario Bros. Like theme song there. That's our whole music at the store. It's the easiest to recognize. Is Pac-Man a close second, a distant second, or not even it's, in the top five anymore? It's, it's pretty good. I don't know that you would consider it music as much as sound effects, but yeah, <laughs> it's there. That's interesting. Um, so Joe, Joe, Joe is a a big like I said uh, when we walked into your store, my eleven year old just looked around. He hasn't been in a retro store, and he was like, "This looks like Joe's basement." Um, so, so Joe, what, what are the burning questions you have to ask Brian as far as retro gaming goes? When are video game prices going to come down again? Because <laughs> man, since the <laughs> pandemic and since people got bored and since people got stimulus checks, everybody's selling everything. And now these jerks at heritage auctions who were bumping up you know, oh, don't get prices <laughs> of uh, you know, sealed Super Mario 64s. You know, we, we went... There's a whole better uh, podcast that discusses like the shady shenanigans of price fixing and yep. uh, about these uh, these auctions where you have investors who are trying to make um, you know trying to make something out of this this hobby where it actually turns a profit. So now you see news reports of like you know video games going for a million dollars at auction, and now people are thinking, "Whoa, my shitty copy of." of uh, Karnov for the NES should <laughs> clearly give me, you know, uh, at least $10,000 at least. But, um, but even like, just like the regular people that don't want to turn a profit or, you know, try to resell their games, they're still willing to pay, you know, a higher price for those cartridges now than they had in the past. And you thought that there would, that there would be like a bubble that had maybe would burst for the NES library, but it seems to be either plateauing or going up, especially for like a lot of like the more recognizable titles. So my question is, is that ever going to come down within our lifetime, meaning people who give a shit about the Nintendo and, or the NES and Super Nintendo, or is it just going to be like, yeah, you know, if you want to buy an original cartridge of, you know, Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo, you're going to have to pay a hundred bucks or whatever it is. Well, I mean, you know, inflation aside, obviously that's you know we're we're beyond that. But you know, money's printing like crazy right now. So until the free money stops, 
and what hopefully it, it has but you know people really during the pandemic buying whatever they can you know stuck at home we we, we sat on hundreds of copies of uh, you know Wii sports for you know nintendo Wii, which also got out of hand um and there's just so many things but it, right now we in our market we're kind of seeing a correction on most games across the board their prices are coming down they're slowly starting to level back out I don't know that they're ever going to go back down to pre-pandemic pricing. I don't, I can't foresee that happening. Too many people, you know, have gotten interested in a hobby that didn't include hundreds of millions of people. So it's really, I mean, supply and demand, right? So uh, there's a lot of people out there hoarding games right now because it's smart. So I don't, I don't know that you're ever going to see them. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 myself included, but it's, it's, I don't think you have a choice. You have to hold on to them at this point. It's, it's an actual investment now because, like you said before, people have gotten involved and, you know, people that don't care about games have gotten involved. So there are there's real money to be made on the higher end of things. But, you know, like you said, there's talks and discussions that it's really only 10 people that are doing this. But I don't know that we can control that. It's funny because one of the fun aspects of the podcast we used to do, we used to record it at Joe's basement pre-pandemic before we went to Zoom is Joe has just walls of games. And one of the things is, you know, we did a random video game review of the week where I would go over to one of his shelves, Brian, and just take a game off the shelf. And Joe would have to kind of turn his back to not see and just based on the space in the wall, have to guess what game I got and then review it. And part of the review was guessing the price. You know, uh, you know, I would look it up on, you know, a couple different places and, you know, one place and a lot of his games, a lot of his games were like, you know, three dollars and some of them were, were more. I'm guessing now, you know. Based on based on some of the games that we bought this weekend down at Retro World, yeah, I think I even spent five or six dollars on a Atari twenty six hundred game I know nothing about called Lost Luggage, and 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 I'm hoping it's as awful as we think it's gonna be. But even even <laughs> those games were like there were there weren't a lot of deals to be had. Yeah, I mean, we, we see that on our end, too. You know, we were there at Retro World and, you know, we we show up and we obviously bring, you know, some of the better games that we have. We don't tend to bring a lot of those cheaper games since we have a store. And we have an outlet for that stuff. But, you know, that was the that was pretty much the talk of the entire weekend was just how expensive things are and how disappointed and certain vendors, you know, a lot of the customers were and just how ridiculous, how, how ridiculous the pricing was on everything you're, you're talking. I watched somebody buy a. a Sega Game Gear for $450 and it just blew my mind like we would never charge that but I mean if somebody's willing to pay it I guess how do you decide what the value of it is well, so that's it, it was know. a problem but you know some of those cheap games like you said there is no $3 games we sell $3 games in our store but you know they're not what they used to be you're, you're talking you know even the copies of you know Duck Hunt and Super Mario Bros are worth six seven eight dollars now and they're slowly going up and it's, you know, we've never seen this before in, the, in this industry. Uh, it's uh, spe- speaking of your store for a, a second. Um, how our paths crossed is you became the silver lining in a cloud, Brian, because I won't say how it happened, but let's just say a PS4 system was unplugged unceremoniously from my uh, from my house and effed up a uh, HDMI port. So I brought it <laughs> into you and you fixed it. And while I was in there, you know, honestly, I, I, 
I kind of don't want to say what I bought in case one of my kids accidentally listens to the podcast because of some of the stuff that you have priced in there. Um, I would, I, I, I was 50, 50 on buying, uh, buying a product that my wife ended up coming back in later that day. Cause you, you fixed it in a day and she's like, Oh yeah, we have to get it. If it's only this. And then I told Joe how much it was. And Joe's like, dude, I, that, that's an amazing price. And I even told him, it's like, yeah, you know, there's a couple things that I saw there, like NES systems that I don't have a lot of games, but uh, I, I got a hookup. I got a friend who has every game I can borrow. But, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, I mean, your, your stuff, first of all, the customer service, the fact that I was able to bring it in and you fixed it, you know, you know, quick and did a great job. And right away is why I circle back and we'll talk about the, the event we have coming up together, but it's like, yeah, your, your pricing was well worth the hour drive that I, you know, I made each way. And then when Joe and I got to retro world, some of the same stuff that I saw in your store was two or three times more money. And I'm like, well, yeah. if, if they can get it good for them, but it's like, yeah, there's, you know, I, I almost wanted to like stop people from buying from vendors and saying, Hey, why don't you go track down this guy first? Yeah. We, I mean, you know, well, we've been in business for 12 years. I know there's a lot of companies out there that have been around longer than us, but ever since the day I opened the store, it's just been a goal of mine to just always be fair. You know, we're not trying to make as much money of these people, even though our overhead's a lot higher since we are in proper Boston. But it, it is, it's always been a, you know, duty of mine, I, I, would, I guess, to make sure that we don't go above and beyond pricing based on what you can get it elsewhere. That's, we wanna be the place that you can go in and you know what to expect. And it, it was honestly very disappointing seeing some of the, the other vendors who do have stores. And obviously I'm not here to name names, but the, their pricing being so outrageous and it, you know, it, it gets to a point to where it's, it's, you're not ripping somebody off. You're just, you're doing it because you can, and it doesn't mean you should. And that's, that's where we're at right now. But we, you know, we did, we heard that all weekend and even, even from us, you know, we, we feel like we're fairly priced, but we had a lot of customers saying, I'll never pay that for the game. And it's outrageous that you're, you're asking that much. And we would tell them, you know, if you just go to eBay and you go to sold listings or you use price charting or whatever it is that you're using, we're pretty accurate with where the, the market stands. It doesn't mean we agree with it, but there's no reason we should be lower than it. You know, if, if, if we lower it, somebody else is just going to buy it to resell it anyways. Um. So let's go back 12 years ago. Why did you decide to, hey, I'm going to jump into this? And did you have a significant other who said, oh, that's a great idea? Or did you have a significant other saying, what are you thinking? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, at the time, I, I actually, when I, uh, I'm originally from New Mexico. So I, I moved here um, in 2007. And uh, I actually started to work for a company at the time called CEX, which a lot of people do know about. Um, and complete entertainment exchange and I, I actually started as a manager there and when I was let go I decided that I wanted to be their competition and, and that's how it started <laughs> but now it uh it uh, you know they didn't deal in retro or anything like that but I I just decided to do what I wanted to do with the store which was I you know I've always been into electronics and I know how to repair them and that's what I went to school for and uh and then we got involved in video games and we used to host tournaments and stuff like that but at the time I did some I was living with somebody who supported me and I've always had a lot of support from the employees that I've hired here and it's kind of turned into a, a family and, you know, we like to keep it that way. And, um, you know, we're, we're a successful business in Boston. So it feels good to be, be such, especially in the industry. It's really hard to be successful selling 
retro video games, which aren't necessarily, you know, the number one thing, especially at the time. Now it's all of a sudden it feels like I, you know, right place, right time, but it's only because of the pandemic. Um, and, and what, you never forget your first love. You, you, you just don't. So what was your first video game system that you fell in love with? Um, well, I mean, my first system was the NES, you know, growing up and it is still to this day is, you know, my favorite system. I'm, I'm a big fan of Xbox because, you know, during my teenage years and, and in my early twenties, I played a lot of Halo, but, um, you know, the NES always is, is my go-to and there are plenty of games that I love playing, but it, I have my favorites in my store. I have a Contra arcade machine because that's one of my favorite games of all time. And, you know, that's, uh, that's why you'll see half of the arcade machines that I have in the, in the store it's from that time period. Joe, Joe, what is your favorite system? First, first I, forget, I forget. We did a show where I just went around the room or Joe went around the room going system by system. How many working systems do you think you have in the basement, Joe? Uh, I would say, yeah, I think a dozen, I guess. Yeah. And, and do you have a favorite? I mean, it's the NES. It you is know, the I'm NES. A, I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid, so that's, you know, my I, I, I think I had an Atari, like I used Atari before I got my first Nintendo system back in the 80s. But yeah, I mean, the NES was just like, it was like a step into a, a larger world if you were playing <laughs> video games because... <laughs> You know, it was just, the, it, 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 you know, it's what I grew up with. And then I kind of skipped the PS2, Xbox, N64, well, GameCube generation. And then I didn't really get back into video games until actually I, the Wii generation when, you know, I had kids young. So they were, you know, six. Well, my oldest was like six when the Wii came out. So that kind of got me back into video games. And then now I... I, or you know since then i find myself going back to the systems that i kind of missed out on like the ps2 and the xbox and um even the n64 the nintendo 64 you know i would just find myself like discovering games that i hadn't played you know when they were fresh um which is you know great thanks to emulation you can kind of you know take advantage of that and thanks to places like uh replayed where you can pick up like older systems and just say like oh wow yeah there's like this whole library of games that I didn't really pay attention to for some reason at the time, but now it's just like, yeah, I got money and uh, yeah, I got some downtime and I want to, I want to see what this was all about. And, you know, um, it's all, it's all, it's all good, but yeah, Nintendo entertainment system is a number one rock and roll. So Brian, is there a game, Brian, that you love that people are like, you know, not, not a, not a classic one that everybody knows, but is there a game that you're like, Oh man, the whole world missed out on this, and this was really a great game that didn't get its due, or like you know, uh, um, or a guilty pleasure game that a you're like a hidden gem, if you will. a hidden gem. Thank you. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. There's, it's a lot of times I don't know one off the top of my head. Particular, I guess I can I can mention one, but there, it's it is one of those weird ones. But uh, there's a game for NES, Love Connection, and where you're a little car. <laughs> oh, a City Connection. Going, Oh, City Connection. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is one of my favorites. And it, I don't know why. I think it was the time we had Blockbuster when I was, when I was growing up. We didn't have a lot of money. So my, my parents will let me rent games. And it was probably a game that I think we ended up getting stuck with or we picked up at a Goodwill or something. Um, so I, I did play a lot of that. But, um, I, you know, being a, a video game store and an owner of a store, I get to see a lot of games come through. And I 
it's always funny when, you know, some of these games come through um, that I, you know, I'm, I'm in love with and not a lot of people hear about, but, you know, through conversation at the store, I get to tell people about them and convince people to play these mostly awful games, <laughs> <laughs> knowing that I loved them at a time for a different reason, but no, that and like I said, we were I, I, I just uh, a little over a week ago, you know, via Joe acquired a twenty six hundred Vader model system that came with a few games. And my wife sent me, you know, down to Retro World with the explicit order. Do not come home without Superman, you know, uh, <laughs> and, and and and, you know, sadly, it might my, my, my quest was frivolous. But, you know, Joe is going to hook me up because he has this system. But it is it's one of those fun things. It's like we were looking for you know, just any games. And, and there was a couple that it's like, oh man, this looks really bad. We got to get this and try it out. So I, I am, I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, uh, playing some of those, but is there, is there a, is there a point that you're like, okay, uh, this system or, or this game is more hype than, than actually a good game? Or is there, is there a game that people like just love that you're like, yeah, that's so overrated. Um, I don't, I don't know if I want to throw myself under the bus too much, but I, I would say the majority of games that I feel like a lot of people come into the store that they feel are, you know, to them are iconic. I don't think I got to play a lot of the, those, those style of games growing up and, um, or maybe I just wasn't into them. I don't, I'm not sure, but there are games even like, you know, don't get me wrong. I love breath of the wild, but I'm not a fan of the, the first couple of Zeldas. Um, and well thanks for coming on the just... podcast we was nice <laughs> <laughs> again throwing myself under the bus but you know it's just again i didn't really get to play them um so they're they weren't they're not games that i've ever played and, and i guess i don't enjoy that style um of game from that time period but you know going back and playing them now it's it's tough it's like going back to play uh um you know, like PlayStation one games, a lot of times you'll throw them in and it's like, Oh, I don't know why I used to like this game. They're so hard to even look at sometimes, you know, but it is again, it's a lot of customers come in here and they have their, they have their, but a lot of those, you know, really iconic games, um, you know, where they were, they were hard back then. So I guess I didn't really get a chance, especially since we were renting games a lot, couldn't beat it. It was really tough for me. So yeah, games have like since the PlayStation era have become longer and become more of a time sink. Like especially yeah. with with RPGs, I'm not a big RPG guy, though I do like Zelda, but Zelda's more of like an action RPG. Uh, but like you know JRPG, those, those Japanese RPGs like Dragon Quest and um, Dragon Quest, I think is the only one I know. No, but like there's like uh, isn't like Persona uh, Five like a Persona series like an, also like an RPG. Uh, yeah yeah so like i could never i I could never get into that like final fantasy stuff i could never get into um even final fantasy 7 which is supposedly supposedly like the greatest you know rpg of all time um yeah i can't go back and even get started on like even like a basic level just because i don't know i couldn't i just don't want to involve that much time into a game um but what you were saying about like you know how going back to like playstation one games is hard because uh you know they just don't hold up i think when Jacques was getting into resident evil games like his 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 jam was like resident evil what did you get started on five five? i started at five yeah yeah which isn't the most typical resident evil game but it was a really good you know it was a good game 
but then you started getting into the series and then you were like curious about going back to playing the original resident evil games that came out on the playstation and i was like well here's what you have to know there are these things called tank controls oh awful (laughs) awful you you can't it's not like a regular 3d game where you can just kind of move around freely no you have to turn your character to the position left and right and then you have to push up to move forward and um yeah but they've since remade the game so now everybody can play those you know iconic games uh with modern controls but yeah a lot of these games just don't hold up but they do hold a special place in people's heart who grew up with those games and they're they know the controls inside and out so it's not like a a terrible experience to go back to because it's kind of like riding a a bike for them it's just like yeah i i remember how to hold the controller i i'm used to using the the nintendo 64 controller and and i i can i can figure this out brian when do you is there is there an official um this is retro and this isn't retro when when, is, when how long does a game or a system have to be up before it's retro and like when will the ps5 be retro it's kind of tough i guess i base it on you know, the type of customers that are buying the games and really tell me that those games are from their childhood. I mean, that at this point, I'm only 35 years old, so it's it's pretty tough for me to decide what's retro and what's vintage. Into Commodore and all those eras. And obviously they're separate from the NES and it's always been that way. But now the NES and the SNES are starting to become that generation. And, you know, now people are telling us, you know, retro gaming is is GameCube and N64. But, you know, even even now, the, the PS2 is is somewhat retro. I know that they were creating games all the way up to, you know, what, 2015. But that is there's it's got to be retro at some point because of how long they were in circulation. Right. The original Xbox was they, those consoles don't work anymore. I mean, there's fewer every single day. There are fewer and fewer PS2s and Xbox that are around because the system itself, the hardware itself isn't holding up, whether it's capacitors or, you know, people are just throwing them away because they don't think they're worth anything. Um, so that's starting to become retro just based on how rare things are getting. Um, but it, it is tough because, we, you know, we have people that are, I guess, their early 20s now that still remember PS2 as their like first console. And like, it's really tough when you have somebody coming in and they're, they, they tell you like that they played Pokemon Snap when they were like, five years old and I, and I remember it being in blockbuster stores you know I actually had the Pokemon snaps machine in my store for the past you know eight years or so and that's I it's just hard to tell but you know the older you get uh, you know even at 35 years old I have somebody coming in and they've never even heard of an original Xbox they didn't even know it was a thing and they're you know 10 years old now and that that to me is mind-blowing so it's it's kind of hard to decipher especially when you see it on a daily basis what's what's vintage and what's not but you can you can tell and you know where you stand when you talk to you know youth and they tell you what's what's old and what's not (laughs) brian what's the oldest uh i guess chunk of games that you sell in your store right now um i mean i don't know if we have they're all kind of same area but we have you know boxes and tubs full of you know vic 20 games and you know commodore 64 stuff and Hmm. Um, we have a lot of like Apple software that's laying around and things like that, but, um, I would popularity is probably going to be NES or, you know, maybe Atari, but Atari is pretty tough because there's, you know, it's mostly junk. So it, it kind of just sits there, but 
we do have a lot of that stuff, but it, you know, it just doesn't move as fast because that, that generation was collecting as hard as the NES and SNES generation is collecting. Now they were collecting that 10 years ago. So it's hard to find people that are new and getting into it, you know, now at, at this age. Yeah. Right. But, like most of those like Coleco vision games and the television games, they've all been like kind of grabbed by the collectors, uh, you know, from, like you said, like 10 years ago. So they're in people's homes now and they're not getting back. They're not getting like recirculated into the wild, if you will. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we've gotten them recently, but it's usually, you know, unfortunately in the nature of the business, we, it's usually when somebody passes away at this point, if we get a collection, a major collection, it's their family members don't know what to do with it. But we've noticed, you know, a lot of people come in and the Atari community or like the, the, the real vintage community tr- tends to trade amongst themselves. And that, that seems to be the, the thing, you know, they don't really come in. They know the games aren't worth much. Anyway, somebody's going to sell me a, 150 Atari games and I'm going to give them $15 because reality is most of them are worth five cents. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's not a lot to be made there. And there's, there's only a handful of games that are even sought after. So we do end up a lot of that stuff. But, you know, the, like I said, the, the real starting point for like the entire collecting world is as far as what we do would, would definitely be NES. Mm-hmm. So I want to dive into next week. So uh, the long story short is there's this great place called Mill Number no. Five in Lowell that you know have these have these great mom and pop stores. There's this you know it's a new theater. Well, it's ten years old, but it looks like it's from the '40s and it's great. And I've been dealing with the owner Jim for a while, talking about like some putting some events together. Um, I am incredibly. I, I miss LA. I miss going to funky, weird, offbeat things. And so basically I said to him, it's like, I'll, I'll let me wrap my head around it. Let me put some events together that I would want to go to and where I'm incredibly lazy. Um, you know, if, if this was event was in Boston, you know, I probably wouldn't go and I say, Oh, Joe, let me know how it is when, you know, when you get there. But so one of the things that I thought would be fun is, you know, they have a liquor license and, you know, you know, people, Joe's age, you know, your age, Brian, you know, my kid's age, just coming in and playing old games. So this will be the first of what I hope becomes a monthly series. You know, I've already talked, you know, another, another aspect, another component of it is I want each event tied to either a fundraising thing that means something to me or to the people I'm involved with, or kind of like, you know, a give back thing. Uh, because, you know, it's going to be a free thing. Just, hey, come on in and play these games. But, you know, we're going to do, you know, one event for my kid's school, for uh, for his band, you know, one kid's in band and one kid's in drama. Um, I talked to the guy who runs, it's called Afternoon of the Arts in Lowell, um, who have 400 kids in his, you know, uh, drama band things, because not every school in the town of Lowell has the resources to have a band or drama. So they do a citywide thing and there's 400 kids in that. But selfishly, I thought, hey, man, wouldn't it be great to have a few beers, hang out with Joe and play Defender, you know, and, and in a public space after now, what are we talking? 20 months of 20 months of not having these kind of things at this point, Joe. So uh, that, that was like I said, that was the whole genesis of it. And I was thinking genesis about this. does. But you can don't. I just want to throw that in there. Oh, that 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 that's awesome. But you said you've done things like this before, Brian, where you've hosted like you know game nights and and different events. Um, 
am I am I just living in a pretend world or are these things pretty fun? Uh, I mean, they're definitely fun. Obviously, it's it's a different situation. We've only done a handful of events that, you know, are allow actual adults to come in and have beers or, you know, have a couple of drinks or whatever that, you know, entails. But they, they are fun. Um, I think it's it takes a while to really get like the ball rolling to get people to recognize that they're out there and to get the word out. But they're, they're definitely fun. And it's always fun for a lot of people that don't really know that stores like us exist because they, they wouldn't, you know, at any given point in the, the day or, the, you know, their lives, they're not going to research to see if, hey, does somebody sell NES or Super Nintendo or where can I pick up a, you know, an Atari or, you know, a lot of people don't really do that. But it's fun for them because they get to walk into a space and have these systems set up with maybe a couple iconic games that they can just jump into and play. And I think it, it always ends up being a, an event where you get to just talk to people and, you know, get the word out that this, this is a thing that people do and, you know, collectors are out there and these stores are out there. Yeah, mill, mill number five, they j- they've been around for a while. Like I said, they have a lot of fun different stores. There's a real there's a real record store in there. There's a you know mom and pop music shop. You know, coffee and cotton is you know the room that they have this. They have a brand new gorgeous space upstairs, and and Jim's like, hey, maybe we'll host it up there. And I'm like, okay, maybe the third one or the fourth one. But like you just said, I mean, I don't expect. You know, I'm I'm hoping that if you know, between like 25 and 40 people come in, you know, between, you know, my kids, their friends, my wife's friends, you know, if I can make, get Joe to make the incredulous journey down uh, route two to 95 to come out to Lowell, uh, that, you know, that, that would be great. I'm hoping to create a scene. Um, I'm hoping that it becomes a regular thing because again, selfishly, it's like, you know, it, I, I like to talk video games. It's one of the reasons Joe and I started the podcast. I like to play video games. And it's funny because, you know, the, I think the older I get, I'm, I'm, the, I'm not the get off my lawn guy, but I'm less interested in playing the new latest, greatest games. And I am, you know, I'm so stupid excited that you know joe hooked me up with that atari system and when i get the gadgets that make it work on my hdmi 4k tv because uh i i, I don't know if you're finding this brian uh, i'm not finding a lot of radio shacks in my neighborhood anymore selling the <laughs> connectors but uh but that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping that this first thing you know in a couple days uh on wednesday that uh that, you know, I, I, first of all, I didn't even ask, you know, how many and what systems you're bringing and, and you know, um, all, you know, all that good stuff that, that you can let us know. But I am I'm hoping that, you know, enough people come over like the next couple ones that this grows to the point where, yeah, once a month we can have, you know, a big thing in the bar upstairs and, you know, there's a whole restaurant involved. But I want it to selfishly be a fun hangout where, um, you know people of our ill get together and in in play uh cubert together <laughs> and how many and, and brian just to uh, follow up on that what you're bringing how many crts are you lugging up from alston to, oh, to lowell I, I have no idea I, I don't know if we if we even want to do that but, but i know right <laughs> we'll definitely bring the you know a, a couple of small tvs and the connections well, uh, they, they, uh, the guy jim has a bunch of uh, HDMI compatible, like monitors, like not so that, cause basically, you know, it's almost, it's almost like at retro world, there was just a line of smaller TVs that people could, 
sit there and play the different games. So basically yeah. that, and, and you, know, you know, of course I know what it means, Joe, but, <laughs> but for some of the listeners who don't know what a CRT is, you know, for the layman out there, you know, why don't you tell the fine folks like John, what a, what a CRT is? A CRT stands for cathode ray tube, and that's uh, an old tube television, you know, like the, the large, like 27 or 32 inch TVs you'd have in your living room and say the year 2001 that weigh 150 pounds. Those are, um, yeah, those are, those are what are needed to play a lot of these older retro systems properly because of the, not only like the, the, the picture quality, but there's a thing called input lag where HDMI TVs process the images at just like a, a, a fraction of a second late, like later than a normal, like older television would. So if you go to press the jump button on a Nintendo, like if you're playing Super Mario Brothers on an HDMI TV and you press the jump button, it might take Mario a half second to actually like react or a quarter of a second to actually jump on the screen. Whereas on an older TV, it would be like an instant reaction. And that's just the way the technology was. So that's the benefit to having a, a CRT or an old tube TV with the older systems. And they have devices like high-end devices where you can hook older systems up to an HDMI TV where there's almost no lag, but it's, you know, kind of cost prohibitive and kind of nerdy and tweaky. Um, and it's not really like available or it's not out there for like the general public. So that's why like a lot of those like mini systems that Nintendo put out, like the, the NES mini that like would play like 30 Nintendo games hooks right up to your HDMI TV that's more of a consumer friendly solution for, you know, giving, you know, just regular people a, a fix so that they can play these older games on modern TV. So that's kind of the challenge with preserving these old systems and playing these old systems in a modern setting is you kind of need these old TVs to make it really uh, to, to replicate that experience that we had in the eighties and nineties. So it's either like using an emulator to play the old games or the real systems with the old TV. So now I have to start searching Craigslist, not just for hookers, but for old tube TVs. <laughs> yeah, it would it would come in handy. But um, I mean, what's but speaking of emulators, uh, Brian, what is your like stance on like flash carts for older systems like good, bad kind of, you know, par for the course? Or what do you think? I guess it just depends on who's buying them and for what reason. You know, for the most part, I, it's hard for us because right now, you know, reproduction carts are are obviously a nuisance to collectors, you know, across the world. But the, the you know the ones that are like hundred and one, you know, I I have like a Neo Geo cart that has like a hundred games on it, and it's cool because I can put it in my you know an AES system and play it that, that way, and it's great. But only because those games are you know sometimes thousands of dollars, and I'll never get a chance to play them. So. If you're buying it because you're, you're you know you just want to play them it, it's fine it's the same thing as buying one of those nes classics i mean it's really that's all you're doing and at least you get like the feel of your own controller on your on your actual system um you know it's it's also it's a nuisance sometimes because the, the, a lot of those roms that are ripped to those cartridges are awful and they're not the real game and you know a lot of people don't really get the the true experience but you know i, I tell people all the time like if they're gonna if they're gonna buy them, they need to know what to expect. They're gonna be playing, you know, you know, Super Mario dudes 
they're not, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna be playing you know their battle frogs or whatever they're playing but <laughs> it, it 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 works it gets them into the you know a lot of times it introduces people to the hobby and it makes them want to go out and buy the original copy and the original system with a tube tv and you know get the whole works but you know somebody that just wants to see what some of those games were like and you buy one of these cartridges for you know thirty dollars on ebay it's it's not terrible it's only my my only issue comes with when people start reproducing boxes and cartridges and labels that you know that becomes a real problem and it's it kind of makes us like at this point where we're up there with you know card graders and you know jewelry we have to have some way of detecting what's real and what's not in it i hate and being I the person that bears the bad news that you purchased a, a fake cart that's that's the worst in the world yeah that's sort of the what happened with gamestop last or pre-pandemic but like the year before the pandemic, I think, yeah, 2019. Yeah, who didn't predict that, though? Right. <laughs> GameStop decided to get into dealing in retro games, and they just got in way over their heads. They were kind of like dipping their toe in it, but at the same time going whole hog on it, where it's just like, yeah, we'll, we'll take all of your retro games, you know, and we'll resell them, you know, and, uh, you know, that's our new market for us. You know, we're, we're games, new games are more digital now and less you know, physical, so... Let's see what this retro game uh, market is like. And what they found themselves doing is you'd see like reports of people buying like fake cartridges, like fake, you know, Game Boy cartridges or Nintendo cartridges, or reproduction cartridges that they are, you know, that are being sold as original cartridges. So like, it's like if you're buying a game that the original cartridge would cost a hundred dollars for, and you're getting some cheap knockoff the people at gamestop were like i don't know they look they, they look the same so we're selling them as you know it says uh earthbound which is like a, a 200 game or 300 game and we're going to sell it at that and it turns out no it's not really earthbound it's like a reproduction cartridge like you know some you know uh overseas knockoff and uh so yeah you kind of have to become like a, a like a, a real expert like a curator of these old cartridges yeah. to really, you know, keep up the integrity. Um, but, and, and that's another thing that I kind of worried about is that GameStop, when they, GameStop had the name, so they were appealing to the masses that were trying to just like offload their old, you know, uh, you know, Nintendo cartridges or Sega cartridges. And they would just, GameStop would, would be like the, the, like the Hoover vacuum that would suck up all of these games and take them off the market. And then when their market goes belly up, where do those cartridges go? Like they were, are they, are they just like reselling them to resellers and at the, you know, at the lowest price. And now they're, you know, now they're in like a, a handful of other resellers. Are they destroying those cartridges? Are they destroying the boxes? Like th that kind of thing, you know, kind of, it kind of pissed me off when I was, you know, reading about it and, and seeing it. Yeah. But, yeah, of um, course. I think that type of stuff is detrimental to us, like as a as a business. As soon as we found out that GameStop was going to be doing that, I think you know it's just it's disappointing. Obviously, it's not a it's clearly it's a bad business decision from them for them because they have no idea what they're doing. But obviously, we would want them to make that bad business decision because we want to see them go you know you know belly up and whatever they're doing. But at the same time, like you said, we knew that they were going to be the ones taking all the product luckily for us you know in, not to throw anybody under the bus by by name or location most of the game sub stores in the area during that time were still sending to um you know turning away because they were they knew a customers are getting ripped off they're selling things so so unbelievably cheap that they just they don't know what they're doing 
but at the same time, you know, there's, they're, they want them to be on display somewhere and not just shipped to some warehouse in Texas where who knows what happens with them. So that, that's, it was, it was a, it was a really bad situation, but it doesn't go just as far as, you know, vintage gaming. We're, we're starting to see it now with DS cartridges, you know, left and right with men and all, all these, you know, Pokemon games that we're having to really do our research and we have to have pictures available and, and numbers available and things to just, you know, reference to. And you're right. We become like curators to a point to where, it, you know, I, I have a handful of people that work for me that I consider experts and we won't even let our uh, an employee that hasn't worked for us for at least a year purchase those games on their own because they we, we have to have somebody that, you know, if they're advanced games, we're opening them, you know, or if they're DS games, we're comparing them to other pictures. And it really just takes a lot. And it's the, the whole thing's become so complicated that it's 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 just a hard hobby to be a part of now at this point. Yeah, it's a change. It's definitely a, a, a bigger hassle now than when you started 12 years ago. Uh, and so 12 years in is is going to replay still like the love of your life. Is it still a, a passion that you have? And um, and 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 what's what's what do you see like over the next few years over at replay? Well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm more passionate about it now than I was when I started only because when I first started, I, I really just wanted to, you know, run a business and be successful and get my name out there. And there was just so much, there is such a different drive, but now, now that I am successful and I know what I'm doing and it, it's a lot easier to enjoy it because I can take things a lot easier. And, you know, my, my staff is, they're all seasoned and they all know what they're doing and I know how to train them correctly. And so it, it just becomes more enjoyable all the way, all the way around. But, you know, with that comes experience and a lot of customers come in not knowing what to expect once they hear our employees talk or they hear me talk to them about what's going on, you know, or their the problems they're having with their devices, whether it be cell phones or video game consoles or just games in general. And they see the equipment that we have in the store. It, it becomes, you know, these people love coming to us and we love them being here. So it, it is really easy to be passionate about it now. It's not, it doesn't take as much work. That's awesome. I'm going to let you jump in just a second, but, uh, but the biggest question, I started with the music question. What do you think the greatest video game of all time is? And why is it Galica? <laughs> um, I have, I have no idea. It, that's, that's so hard. I, I guess it's all personal, I guess, you know, but out there and for me, I, I guess I end up referencing arcade machines more than anything it's really that's like a, you know a side passion of mine is collecting arcade machines so you can go back as far as like tempest or something like that and say that those are some of the best games but you know i'm definitely not going to say golden eye because that's what everybody's favorite answer is lately and that's a hard game to go back and play and see those graphics but um i, I will say I'm sorry. I was just going to say regarding GoldenEye during the pandemic, I do have a copy of GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64 and I 100% of that goddamn game because <laughs> I, like I was a on a boss. mission. I was on a mission. I, yeah, I had a lot of free time and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make this game my bitch. And I did. And I, uh, I Take a skate around. Right. No, I mean, it, it was just it was just fun to actually. Yeah, it is like those graphics are rough, but luckily I had the CRT. So it was a little bit a little bit more palatable but what do you what um one final question for me is i guess what systems do you see are selling the fastest nowadays well i mean outside of 
you know, your, your current gen, I guess, um, or, right. you know, second generation, if, if we're going back just like in retro, it's, it's probably, you know, you're probably up there in like GameCube and N64, they're kind of go hand in hand. And those are probably the ones we can't keep on the shelf the most. It's really, it's hard to sell somebody an NES system these days. Um, only because of all the emulation out there and those consoles those games fly off the shelf but the consoles you know we have they're they're a dime a dozen but n64s and gamecubes we can't we can't keep in stock and they're also you know there's they're they're smaller libraries of games so i think a lot of people find it really easy to start there as far as a collector goes yeah and nintendo is just like they've always been nintendo like they're they just the name alone is going to uh, get an audience yeah, and, you, exactly. and, your, and the quality of games is just going to be higher from Nintendo than, you know, some other parties. Uh, this was completely awesome. Uh, Joe, thank you for jumping on. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for making time. And I'm really looking forward to hanging out on Wednesday uh, at Mill Number 5 and playing your games. Which um, Wednesday would that be? We want oh, to let, well, let the viewers know. Let the, well, let Wednesday, the know. Wednesday, November 17th, which is two days from now. Because we're recording a week early, but this drops on Monday. So, yeah, in two days from this recording dropping on Wednesday at mill number five and Lowell, um, our friend Brian from Replayed uh, will be showing up with some games and I will be buying him some beers and we will be um, playing together, Joe. They want to say that's Replayed in Austin, Mass. Um, anything else you want to plug, Brian? Uh, your your twitter your facebook all that good stuff no yeah we you know on instagram you can find us at replayed alston and on uh, facebook it's just replayed um you know our address is 252 brighton avenue here in alston say that again sorry it was breaking up i just want to make sure you get a clear on the address it's 252 brighton avenue in alston massachusetts excellent and i've been to the store myself it is a, a, a just a, a, a wondrous uh establishment um, <laughs> i appreciate that yeah and uh, but yeah my and by the way i don't have walls of game i have a wall i'm not a nerd <laughs> yeah yeah you, you got the the yeah I, i'll chastise you <laughs> I, I think you're playing the semantic game but uh but anyways brian this was great i'm looking forward to hanging out uh wednesday the 17th and uh with that i bid everybody